0: The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, lift up the Lord. We gather for ordered worship to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather in ordered worship in this hour. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. we pray together keep O Lord your household the church in your steadfast faith and love that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion for the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God now and forever amen please be seated Well, beloved, today we, among other things, celebrate Father's Day. That is, we recognize our families of origin and happily honor those who have gone before us. We also recognize that within each and every family there are challenges, opportunities for future success. And sometimes morning and evening, there come moments when a little bit of pardon, a little bit of grace, a little bit of forgiveness are needed, and so we trust today. We trust in God's pardon and forgiveness. We trust in another, our neighbor's pardon and forgiveness, but sometimes there comes a moment too when we must find a way to pardon and forgive ourselves. As our choir sings with and for us our traditional Kyrie, may we bow in that spirit in a moment of confession and prayer, let us pray. Beloved, let us learn to love each other well in faithful holiness. Hear the good news, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.
1: A lesson from the first epistle of St. John, chapter four, verses seven to 12. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent God's only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us, and sent God's Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and God's love is perfected in us. The word of the Lord.
2: I invite you to join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 5 with the antiphon. Give ear to my words, O Lord, give heed to my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for you I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I plead my case to you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness, evil will not sojourn with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. But the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in awe of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Now I invite you to stand for the singing of the glory of Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
3: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 7, verse 36, through chapter 8, verse 3. Glory to you, O Lord. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Hence she has shown great love, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The the twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their resources. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
0: be seated. John is the spiritual gospel. The gospel and the letters named for John, including our lesson read earlier, were given their shared name long ago, so named in the second century by a person whom once we termed a church father, but termed such and one such no longer, rather saying an early Christian writer. The Johannine literature has long inspired poetry. From the doors just west of us on the Marsh Chapel Plaza emerge every spring a class of soon-to-be preachers holding their Bibles in their right hands and some debt it must be admitted in their left. By July 1, they are in pulpits, preaching, preaching every Sunday, a Sunday sermon, a sermon about God in about 20 minutes, as we say, over 40 years. Some of those sermons will come from the Gospel and letters of John. Come Saturday night, they will begin to write their sermons. They will find in the passages to be read from John and the letters of John various troubling, troublesome, and troublous passages. It is a diachronic reading of John, one that looks at its place and time, its community of origin, its sits im laban, or life setting, which frees and which alone can give a measure of the promise of John 8:32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Coming down from the School of Theology steps, Bible in one hand and the future in the other, our students, one hopes, will also have acquired some pious understanding of John's history and theology. That is, they will have learned that the phrase hoi hudaioi, the Jews, does not mean the Jews, but grew up as a phrase in the year 90 A.D. out of a painful separation of Christian Jews from Jewish Christians. The community behind John contested with those whom they referred to by this phrase, hoi who die, even though they, the Jews, were their own next of kin. They themselves were Jews too. These passages in John are to be understood historically and theologically as a particularly dark moment in the Christian tradition of antisemitism. Our students need to know this first and more. John's Jesus makes several remarkable claims given Philippians 2 and Matthew 5. They reflect a changed understanding of the Christ Hard won and hard earned. The titles for Christ here, Messiah, Son of God, Son of Man, come from different points in the community's journey, history, and theology. Our students need to know this first and more. John's community has suffered trauma that has caused change. Trauma brings change. They have suffered the trauma of disappointment. The end of the world which they had expected did not come, disappointingly enough and they found the courage to admit it and change. That is, in disappointment, they discovered freedom. They also have suffered the trauma of dislocation. They have been thrown out of their religious home, de if you will, and are wandering out in the street when they write. They lost at one fell swoop, mother tongue, motherland, mother tradition, and that is a huge dislocation. But they found the courage to face it and to change. That is, in dislocation, they discovered grace. Paul, who did not write or know John, might well have said, See, I told you, when I am weak, then I am strong. And mirable dictu, in the cross of Christ and in the loss of the beloved disciple, this ancient faith community uncovered a way to love. Our students need to know this first and more, history and theology. However, Don't you know that life is a funny old dog? For six years I've had alongside me as a teaching fellow, a most brilliant, funny young mother of two Episcopal priest, and she is a literary critic. She practices rhetorical criticism. She loves poetry. Twice a term I ask her to bring her exotic medicines, the alchemic mixtures of literary criticism to bear on our text. I like to be magnanimous, don't you know? I believe in the liberal balance, don't you know? I honor freedom of speech in the university, don't you know? Plus, the students love her. The students appreciate her work as an addition to the main work of the course, of course. And I must say, I appreciate her and love her work. Even teachers can learn. As that great Yankee Yogi Berra once said, you can observe a lot just by watching. Or the proverb, the old owl sits in the oak tree. The more he speaks, the more he hears. The more he hears, the less he speaks. Why are we not like that old owl? The Reverend now, the Reverend Dr. Regina Walton, every term shows our students three poems which grow out of the fourth gospel and illumine its meaning. For today's Father's Day sermon, I determined to have you hear them as well. They are light, joy, truth, power, meaning, and love. Gospel they are. They are beautiful. They are rhetorically beautiful religious language. What other than such beauty, epitomized by our lesson from one John, will drive out the demons of hateful religious discourse present even in our time? And they can help us, these verses, here in Boston, here in Marsh Chapel, here today. The poet George Herbert lived from 1593 to 1633. The English Civil War occurred soon after his death, leading to disestablishment. Herbert was an orator at Cambridge and sickly. From a young age, he knew that he was called to write devotional poetry. He knew John Donne, who was a friend of his mother's. He employs both trochaic and iambic meters. He writes, among other things, of the soul's call to God and of the claim the believer has upon God. That is, in his work, there is a Johannine courage, a Johannine inspiration. You know the phrase, love made me welcome, but my soul drew back. Herbert wrote of love, Here is a poem, well, you beautifully sang it together a moment ago, that draws directly on John 14, 17, John 6, 6, and John 16, 22. Come my way, my truth, my life, such a way as gives us breath, such a truth as ends all strife, and such a life as killeth death. Come my light, my feast, my strength, such a light as shows a feast, such a feast as mends in length, such a strength as makes his guest. Come, my joy, my love, my heart, such a joy as none can move, such a love as none can part, such a heart as joys in love. Such a heart as joys in love as a pastor in this community marsh chapel i have the privilege of seeing women and men struggling to live in faith and doing so by inspiration right now in our community we are celebrating ordination and commissioning for some of our fellows right now in our community we are expecting a birth or two fairly soon a joy in love in our community we have couples who are in the throes of making marriage work and work better, a joy in love. In our community, we have dads and moms whose sons and daughters are in armed service, and they are praying for their safe returns, a joy in love. In our community, we have some who struggle with challenges, physical and personal, and are finding healing care, a joy in love. In our community, we have students who are learning to learn what they most want to learn, not someone else's fantasy of what they might learn, a joy in love. In our community, we have women and men, the salt of the earth, who reflect and radiate Christ's own joy in love. The second poet is Henry Vaughan, who lived from 1622 to 1695. He fought on the royalist side during the Great War. Vaughan is known as one of the best followers and imitators of Herbert. In 1649, Charles I executed Oliver Cromwell. The Church of England was disestablished and the Book of Common Prayer was outlawed. The king was understood to be anointed by God. Incidentally, Vaughan's brother was an alchemist. Vaughn lived during a dark time, and his poetry evokes his time. He recalls the great pseudo-Dionysus and the cloud of unknowing. He celebrates night and the darkness of God in a way that I believe connects truly to you and your time as well. It is no accident that he bases his poem on Nicodemus at night, John 3, 2, and following. Here are verses from this wondrous work. Through that pure virgin shrine, that sacred veil drawn o'er thy glorious noon, that men might look and live as glowworms shine and face the moon, wise Nicodemus saw such light as made him know his God by night. Most blessed believer he who in that land of darkness and blind eyes thy long expected healing wings could see when thou didst rise and what can never more be done did at midnight speak with the sun. Oh, who will tell me where he found thee at that dead and silent hour? What hallowed solitary ground did bear so rare a flower? within whose sacred leaves did lie the fullness of the deity. Dear night, this world's defeat, the stop to busy souls, cares check and curb, the days of spirits, my soul's calm retreat which none disturb, Christ's progress and his prayer time, the hours to which high heaven doth chime. Were all my loud, evil days, calm and unhaunted as this thy dark tent, whose peace but by some angel's wing or voice is seldom rent, then I in heaven all the long year would keep and never wander here. But living where the sun doth all things wake, and where all mix and tire themselves and others, I consent and run to every mire, and by this world's guiding light, air more than I can do by night. There is in God, some say, a deep but dazzling darkness, as men here say it is late and dusky because they see not all clear. Oh, for that night, where I in him might live invisible and dim. Nicodemus, like the beloved disciple, like the Paraclete, like the Logos, like the Judeans, helps form a bridge from the community of faith to the community of life from religion to culture, from church to world, and back. Most blessed believer he who in that land of darkness and blind eyes thy long-expected healing wings could see. At Marsh Chapel we yearn for a faith amenable to culture and a culture amenable to faith. We desire such not because it is immediately present or likely with ease in our time to arise. It is not, and it will not. But as Vaclav Havel said, I hope for the good, not because it will necessarily succeed, but because it is right and true. When the faith you personally cherish walks by night, without fear across this whole great land, and when the culture you inhabit visits the community of faith without fear by night or day, that is, when Jesus and Nicodemus embrace, then a bit of heaven has come to earth. For example, when the beauty of the people and voices of the Marsh Chapel Choir who embody salt and light, find purchase in a great hall with a culturally iconic rock and roll band, not, by the way, particularly otherwise known for religious observance, at least to now, then you have an apocalyptic moment, a place of faith amenable to culture and culture amenable to faith. You will not be surprised, many of you, by the choice for our third poet. The poet T.S. Eliot was born in America yet lived most of his life in England until his death in 1965. He was the greatest poet of his age and one of the greatest of any age. While our generation does not cling to him as did an earlier one, and this itself is a pity, nonetheless he touches us too. To him we owe the rediscovery of the metaphysical poets. Eliot found God's presence in God's absence. Like Herbert's mature claim upon God, like Vaughan's love of night, Eliot's presence and absence seems strikingly close to the best spirit of our own age. I dedicate this reading to my dear dad who died three years ago, he an authentic lover of the word. This poem owes much to John 1:1. If the lost word is lost, if the spent word is spent, if the unheard unspoken word is unspoken unheard, still is the unspoken word, the word unheard, the word without a word, the word within the world and for the world. And the light shone in the darkness and against the word, the unstilled world, still world, about the center of the silent word. The word within the world and for the world. This summer, starting next week with Ms. Jessica Chica, you will hear voices voices from our strongest sister pulpits in Methodism in the North. Asbury First in Rochester, New York, Christ Church UMC in New York City, Foundry Church in the nation's capital, Washington DC, and our own voices from Marsh Chapel in Boston. Of all the seven National Preacher Summer Series we have now offered, I am most glad for this one for many reasons, but let me mention here and now just one. In Methodism, over more than 200 years, our pulpits historically have led the way. Wesley, Asbury, Cartwright, Shaw, Sockman, Tittle, all have led the way. Now in our time of ecclesiological, denominational fragmentation, much farther advanced than most realize. We shall need to rely, not so heavily, certainly not exclusively, on the superintending voices, important as they are, but on the deeper streams of mercy, still fed here and there by discreet communities of faith, healthy communities of faith, and by their pulpits. Wesley loved the Eastern Orthodox traditions, those of the patriarchies, not of the bishops of Rome and elsewhere, not a bad memory. Our Father's Day. That is, the communities in the East led and lead Alexandria, Jerusalem, Antioch, Constantinople, all. We need to look to the East in this sense, to listen in the next decade first to the remaining vibrant pulpits. In the next decade, that is, We shall need these four arrows bound together in a quiver for who knows whose or which use. Marsh, Christ, Foundry, Asbury. As we minister the word within the world and for the world. Superintending is rooted in 1 John but the vocal leadership, the spiritual leadership, the spirit is rooted in the gospel of John. Have a great summer. Here are three poems, three moments of Johannine inspiration, Herbert and Vaughan and Eliot. One for those in need, celebrating the one who joys in love. One for those at night, celebrating the one who marries faith and life. One for those troubled by absence, celebrating the coming, the return of voice and word. Amen. 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 Beloved, let us love one another. Thank you.
4: As we come to the time in our service where we gather our prayers as a community to offer before God, I invite you to remain seated, to stand, or come to kneel at the communion rail as is your tradition as you enter into a spirit of prayer and the choir sings our call to prayer, lead me Lord. prayer this morning is adapted from the ordination service of the New Zealand Prayer Book. Loving God, by your Holy Spirit all who believe and are baptized receive a ministry to proclaim Jesus as Savior and Lord and to love and serve the people with whom they live and work. In Christ they are to bring redemption, to reconcile and to make whole. They are to be salt for the earth. They are to be light to the world. After his resurrection and ascension, Christ gave gifts abundantly to the church. Some he made apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip God's people for their work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. Lead us, O God, to answer that call that you have for each of us. May we serve patiently and cheerfully, remembering that the work we are all called to do is God's work. It is in God's hand, and it is done in God's name to God's glory. May we follow Christ, whose servant we are. May we share the burden of those whose cross is heavy May we be marked as people who proclaim that among the truly blessed are the poor, the troubled, the powerless, and the persecuted. Prepare us, God, to be who we proclaim we are. May we serve simply and willingly, and may our joy in Christ overcome all discouragement, so that we have no fear, but are humble and full of hope. And now with the priesthood of all believers, I invite you to join in the words our Savior Christ has taught us, praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation
2: Good morning. Welcome to Marsh Chapel. For those sitting in the pews today, I invite you to find the red pad near the center aisle and put your name and contact information in it so we can get to know you better and help you to get to know one another better. For those listening online or over the radio, please make your presence known to us through an email to chapel at Today we are pleased to have Patrick T. Waters and Ian Watson conducting the Marsh Chapel Choir. Mr. Watson is also our organist today. We thank them and all who participate in and lead the Marsh Chapel music program in the summer. I also wish to call your attention to the upcoming Marsh Chapel barbecue on the first Sunday of July following the 11 a.m. worship service. If you're interested in grilling or otherwise helping to organize our annual festive summer event, please contact the Director of Hospitality, Rachel Cape, or email us at chapel at bu.edu. And now I invite you to meditate on William Walton's setting of the Song of Solomon, Chapter 8, during the Offertory.
4: of the universe and God of our hearts speak to us this morning in our giving with your still small voice and remind us who we are remind us whose we are remind us why we have chosen to follow your son Jesus the Christ as we share in this offering today remind us that when we feel like we are the last ones left who have not turned from you that we are not alone What we do and what we give is multiplied with the compassion of others. Keep us faithful in that knowledge. We pray this in the name that is above all others, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen.
0: May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night, a star shine through, your dullest morn, a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, creator, redeemer, sustainer, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.